You're listening to the J. John Podcast, a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to give you confidence in your faith and boldness to share it with others. This is part two of a two-part series, Serving God. In 1858, a Sunday school teacher called Mr. Kimball led a young Boston shoe clerk to Jesus. His name, Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody later became a very influential evangelist known as D. L. Moody. In 1879, D.L. Moody was preaching in England and a pastor called F.B. Meyer was deeply impacted and inspired. Much later, F.B. Meyer preached at a university campus in America. While he was preaching, a man called Wilbur Chapman came to know Jesus. Wilbur joined the YMCA and ministered with them. While with the YMCA, he employed a former baseball player called Billy Sunday as an evangelist. Billy Sunday preached in Charlotte, North Carolina. Because the evangelistic meetings stirred the hearts of many people, around 30 businessmen decided to devote a day of prayer together. In May of 1934, a farmer let the men use his farm for the day of prayer. And one of the men, Vernon Patterson, he prayed this prayer. Out of Charlotte, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. The businessmen then arranged for another evangelistic meeting and they invited an evangelist called Mordecai Ham and he was a fiery evangelist who shattered the complacency of church-going Charlotte. And the farmer who offered his farm as a venue for the prayer meeting was Franklin Graham Sr. And his son, Billy Graham, became a Christian during the Mordecai Ham evangelistic meetings. Isn't it wonderful how God uses all these connections and how God weaves his tapestry in order to bring more people into his kingdom. Jesus was born in a borrowed manger. Jesus preached from a borrowed boat. Jesus entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. Jesus ate the Last Supper in a borrowed upper room. 
Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. Now, Jesus asks to borrow the lives of Christians, of his children, to reach the rest of the world. If we, you and I, do not speak, then God is silent. As people rescued by God, our commission is to rescue others. We read in 1 John 3 verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Do you and I, do we feel confident to stand before God? And what if God says to us, did you follow my instructions? Did you obey my great commission? Did you heed my command? Did you go out into the world to be my witness? It's a challenge and it's worth prayerfully pondering on. For centuries, Christians have recognized the importance of this biblical message and have generously served the sick, the poor and the suffering in practical ways. And in Britain, in the early 19th century, it was Christians and followers of Jesus like William Wilberforce, Lord Shaftesbury, Josephine Butler, who led the campaign to abolish slavery and child prostitution, to improve conditions in factories and prisons, and they founded orphanages. I love church history and I love knowing the stories of some of our brothers and sisters who pioneered so much and did so much in the name of Jesus Christ. The hands and feet of Jesus, that's what we are. In the USA, Charles Colson, a man who before he came to know Jesus and before his transforming conversion to Christ, he was considered by the media as a politician incapable of humanitarian thought. That's what they said about him. But he worked to reform the US prison service after he came to know Jesus and he set up a movement of more than 50,000 voluntary prison workers operating 
in 88 countries around the world. When we get redeemed and transformed by Jesus and we follow the Great Commission, wow, what can be done in the name of Jesus? When we're being empowered by his spirit, so much can be done. As we serve, we must trust that our actions embody the love, truth, and the goodness of Jesus. Let's stand with the suffering, with the poor, with the weak, with the vulnerable, with the sick. There was a fifth grade class at a school and there were 14 boys in it. The unusual thing about this class was that all 14 boys had no hair. But the truth was, there was only one of them that had no hair because he was undergoing chemotherapy for lymphoma. But, and he lost all of his hair because of the treatment. But the other 13 boys in the class, they shaved their hair off so that they could express compassion and empathy to their friend and not allow their friend to feel even more vulnerable than he already did. These boys were taking the advice in Galatians 6 verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Are we carrying some of our burdens of our neighbours, of our friends and of our colleagues? Because when we carry them and empathise with them and express love and compassion, it speaks volumes about the Christ that we love and we serve. Often simply standing alongside another in their time of pain or difficulty can be profoundly impacting. You are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Matthew 5 verse 13. Jesus describes his followers as sought because in his time there were no refrigerators, fridges. So the only way to preserve meat and keep it from rotting was to pack it in salt, which stopped the decay. And Jesus' message was that without God, our society rots. We, as Christians, we are called to bring the salty, society-preserving truth of Christ Jesus into our world. We are the ones that can stop the rot. 
We are the ones that can preserve the truth. And we need to stand for truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. Christ, like voices in our world, Christ-like voices at our work, in our communities, in our schools, in politics, in media. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his book, Strength to Love, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or social authority. When I read that and I reflected on that, and particularly as I reflected on that last sentence, if we do not recapture its prophetic zeal, the church doesn't do that. It will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. And sadly, have we become that already? We need renewal, repentance and revival in our church today. If we want to be the sort of society and we need to be because we've been commissioned by Jesus to be the sort in society. We must actively fight decay and we cannot remain passive and we cannot remain uninvolved. In the passage after the one on sort, Jesus is recorded as having said, you, are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father so he starts with the image of sort and then he moves on light you're the light you're the light because we represent the light of the world jesus christ while sort has a negative role in that it stops decay light has a positive role because it illuminates and it guides. And what do people need today? They need illumination. They need guidance. Why? Because they're in the dark. They're lost. They're confused. 
We are the light of the world. We are the sort. A beautiful prayer by St. Francis of Assisi draws a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be sought and light to the people around us. And I've prayed this prayer many, many times for myself. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled, but to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive and it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. What a beautiful prayer. I think that prayer completely, it just captures it, what we should be and how we should live our lives. I encourage you, find that prayer. I'm sure you can download it off the internet and, and print it out and look at it and reflect on it and, and pray it regularly. Here are some suggestions on how we should serve God. One, expect opportunities. Have an expectancy. Martha Berry was a woman with a heart to help children, but she had no building and she had no money. But all she had was a dream of helping very vulnerable children. And she got the opportunity to meet with the businessman, entrepreneur, multimillionaire, Henry Ford. And she asked for a donation. And Mr. Ford reached into his pocket and he drew out a $1 bill and he gave her one dollar. Now, most people would have been hugely discouraged, hugely disappointed. You've just encountered this multimillionaire who's got huge assets. You've told him about these huge needs and he just gives you one dollar. It's almost like you're being patronized. But the incredible thing about this story is that Martha took this as an opportunity. And what she did with her $1, she went and bought some seeds. She planted the seeds. And when she planted the seeds, 
that eventually grew into vegetables and fruit. She then sold those and then she bought more seeds and then she planted more and sold more and then she bought more seeds and after the third crop she had some money to purchase a building. She then went to see Mr Ford again and she told him what she had done with her one dollar that he had given her. And he was so impressed with what she did with one dollar that he then gave her one million dollars. In some ways that story really encourages me because often, we often think and say, oh, we need 10,000 or we need 100,000 or we need 1 million. Listen, put $1 to use. Put one pound to use. Use that one pound, use that $1, use that $10, use that $100. And when God wants us to have more, he'll give us more. Value what you've got seize the opportunities, be inspired by this amazing woman called Martha. Secondly, don't lose sight of the Saviour. It is sometimes easy to get overwhelmed and lose sight of the Lord of the work while you're doing the work of the Lord. Yes, the work of the Lord is important, but don't be so overwhelmed by the work of the Lord that you lose sight of the Lord of the work. The Lord of the work is always more important than the work of the Lord. And the Lord of the work will instruct us what to do and how to do it. And I love that uh, scripture where Jesus says he only does what the Father tells him to do. That's it. And we need to discern what the Father wants us to do and to do it. Thirdly, don't compromise. S don't compromise. Someone wrote, I was hungry and you formed a committee to investigate my hunger. I was homeless and you filed a report on my plight. I was sick and you held a seminar on the situation of the underprivileged. You have investigated all the aspects of my plight, yet I'm still hungry, I'm still homeless and I'm still sick. Jesus had enormous compassion for the hungry, the homeless and the sick, the refugee, the casualties of injustice and the unemployed. And he wants to express this compassion through you and through me. Let's be aware of bureaucracy that hinders rather than helps. Keep our eyes and our ears open. A traffic warden came across an illegally parked car and he dutifully wrote out a ticket and com 
completely ignored the man seated behind the wheel of the car when he placed the ticket on the window. The man in the car didn't react, didn't respond, didn't speak. Why? Because he was dead. He had been murdered earlier on in the day. But the traffic warden totally ignored him. All he wanted to do was to give him a ticket. He was so preoccupied with giving him a ticket that he ignored him. And he just walked away to write another ticket for someone else. When I read through the Gospels in the Bible, I am so impressed by the relaxed pace of Jesus day to day. He moved through life so calmly and he accomplished so, so much. We pray for bigger opportunities while ignoring the people with needs right in front of us. And when I'm not rushing about, I notice more people and I am able to pause. I'm able to engage. I'm able to listen. John Wesley, one of my favourite Christian heroes, wrote this. Let us do all the good we can by all the means we can, in all the ways we can, in all the places we can, at all the times we can, to all the people we can, as long as we can. What inspiring words. Let's do that. Let's be people who say to Jesus, thank you for this high calling to serve you. And I pray now, Lord God, that you will anoint all of us, anoint us by the power of your spirit to follow your great command, your great commission, to serve you in our world, in our communities, for a time such as this. May you help us to be that sort that stops the rot. May you help us, Lord, to be the light out into the world, to do good, to fight injustice, to show compassion and empathy. So Lord Jesus, bless us in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media.